Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the Direct Response Podcast. This is Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Stephen Wershing from theclientdrivenpractice.com. Steve is on a mission to help you attract more referrals. And if you don't attract as many referrals as you would like, the good news is it's not your fault. Most of what you've been told about referrals is wrong, and it's Stephen's job at The Client Driven Practice to help you change that. He is the author of Stop Asking for Referrals, a phenomenal book published by McGraw-Hill, and offers tips on practice management and marketing on his blog as well. He entered the financial services profession back in 1987 at Waddell & Reed, and then established in 1994 his independent practice. Then in 96, he was working at the home office of the Wall Street Financial Group where he grew to the chief operating officer. Um, and then we're going to talk about some of the other stuff later, including his broker-dealer excellence award from Boomer Market Advisor Magazine. Stephen, welcome to the show. Seth, thanks so much for having me on today. It is our pleasure. Let's go back in time. You entered the financial services profession in 1987. Hopefully it wasn't October. Um what inspired you to enter financial services at eighty in eighty seven? It was actually uh it was actually about three weeks before the crash. So I'm, oh I'm hoping that proves that, 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 that timing is not everything. But um but but what what actually my good fortune there was that I was so new to the business I didn't have any clients. Well, so no one I would have lost just, any money yet. Exactly. So I, I lost less sleep than most of my compatriots. Well, it's actually um, probably an opportune time for you to enter because if you're new and you've got no clients in the market tanks, you can call everyone everyone who's pissed off that their broker didn't get them out. Pretty much, pretty much. I, I, I could honestly say I did not subject any clients to that downturn, <laughs> and wouldn't you like to do business with me? That is a great lead generation <laughs> line right there. That is too funny. Um, so why do you want Why did you get? Why did you get into financial services? Well, actually, I, I came from the field of investment real estate, and uh, I had been um, selling smaller investment real estate uh, duplexes and quads and small apartment buildings and that kind of stuff until uh, the uh, until Congress passed the Tax Reform Act of '86 and, and pretty effectively destroyed that career. And uh, and what I found as I was as I was learning how to do that was that it was you know, more of the analysis and putting together the strategy and, and, and you know, developing the, the, the deals that, that I really liked more than anything else. And, and 
so after the after after the tax reform act and I had to start looking around i I saw um you know an ad for uh, what turned out to be what Ellen Reed in the Wall Street Journal and you know saw an opportunity to 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 do this thing called financial planning, which was helping people develop the strategies for themselves and um you know and and I could yeah, I could do that with all of with, without some of the downfalls of actually selling you know a, 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 a huge, what what was typically a fairly large investment for an individual investor you know and I could allocate assets and I could help them with you know advice on more to, more than just that one investment so it was really attractive to me and that's how I ended up getting into the business and obviously you've had an incredible journey and we certainly um we we could spend I, it's, I, if it's not in a book it should be <laughs> um, and we could spend hours talking about that, but let's jump to uh, the Broker Dealer Excellence Award. How did that come about? Well, that was um, we were. I, I you you mentioned that I, I moved to the home office of Wall Street Financial and and, and moved up to uh, moved up to COO there. And after I had done that for a few years, I got recruited away to be president of. Uh, of another broker dealer it, it was actually a broker dealer that was owned by a financial planning firm and, and they, they they started their own broker dealer mostly for their internal purposes but started attracting people on the outside and after they had done that for for a number of years they suddenly realized that they had more people on the outside than they had on the inside but they had no infrastructure for those people on the outside and so they um they were looking for somebody who could help them build it into a, a you know, honest to goodness business unit of its own, and so they they found me and, and recruited me in, and, and so we built something, and and um, uh, you know, and, and the the, the broker dealer excellence awards were you know something that Boomer Market Advisor had started doing every year, and so they would poll. Uh, you know, pulled the, the advisors of different broker dealers, and and that's that's the, that's how they ended up finding out about us. And and so, uh, based on on the the innovative programs that we had started to uh, to provide our advisors, there was you know we we were really early on the scene with uh, with outsourcing and providing virtual assistance and um, you know a lot of those kinds of things. And and um, that's what led to us getting that award. That is absolutely. Incredible. And now you talk, say something quite controversial. You say everything advisors know about, a lot of what they've been told about generating referrals is wrong. Why, what have we been told that is a lie and tell us the salvation? Well, what what everybody has been told is that if you want referrals, you have to get them. You have to ask for them. And that's not correct. Um, we as human beings refer habitually. It's part of our psychological makeup. As social animals, we compulsively refer. You know, think of the last time, you know, you told a friend about a restaurant or a movie or recommended that they see, you know, that they see your doctor, recommended your attorney or your accountant or, you know, well, when was the last time you helped hook a friend up with a solution they were looking for? Or something that, or some kind of a person or an experience that you thought that they would enjoy, we do that all the time, and and that that goes all the way back to the you know to when we were Neanderthals, when we banded together in in groups, and if we didn't give each other advice like don't go into that cave, that's where the bear lives, then we may not have survived as a species. 
And so we we do it all the time. Um, but for a long time, financial people, insurance agents, and brokers, and those kinds of things weren't getting those kinds of weren't getting referrals. They weren't getting those. And so their natural assumption was, well, it's because people wouldn't would, they wouldn't engage in that unless we got them to. We, they wouldn't engage in that unless we somehow compelled them to, which is wrong. They they will. And if you don't get referrals, it's not because you're not asking. It's because you're not doing the things that would trigger that behavior. But for years and years, we were told that we had to extract referrals from clients. And that's led to a whole lot of destructive behaviors. It's led to a whole lot of really bad habits. But since it's the only way that we knew how to do it, then we figured that it must be the best way. But it, it, it goes back to Abraham Maslow, who you know was famous for saying, if the only thing you have is a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. And if the only way you know how to get referrals is to ask for them, then you're going to generate evidence that makes it look like that that's the best way. But that's not the best way. And, we've got, and we, we now have research that shows what, why people engage in that behavior and how you can stimulate it. So tell us about how to – I mean, I'm not asking you to give away the store. Obviously, um, we are, our, our folks who want more referrals should talk to you. But give us one sexy nugget of – how your system and your process is so different. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you I'll, I'll give you one one big thing. And whether people call, you know, whether people contact us or not, if you if you dwell on this question, you will do, you will you will get a great insight into how to attract more business and more referrals. There's really one question. And this this is the topic of the book that I'm working on now that I'm hoping will be out this year. Um, it, it's, it, it's what I call the ultimate question in marketing financial services. If you can answer this question in a, in a succinct and compelling way, you will have no difficulty marketing your practice and, 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 and attracting referrals. So ready? Ready for the question? Here it comes. Um, you meet, somebody comes into your office or you bump into somebody who says, I just got a retirement offer, got a big inheritance, sold my business and had a liquidation of it. And I've been to three other financial advisors because I realize now I need some advice. And they all come highly recommended. They all seem like they know what they're doing. They all have to have mahogany and glass in their lobbies. And they seem to have a pretty good chemistry with all of them. Why should I hire you over those three other people? That's the question you need to answer. If you can answer that question, and all of the stuff that we teach about referral marketing is wrapped up in that question. It's how to set yourself apart how to create something that's got a compelling value for your prospective clients, how to figure out who your target clients are and what specific things they're looking for. It's all wrapped up in that question. That, that's, that's the biggest question right there. And if you can answer it, getting clients through any means, but certainly through referrals, gets a lot easier. Absolutely. And, and we talk, um, I teach, um, that the answer to that question is, we call it a magical marketing proposition, and you're absolutely right. Once you have defined that in the right way, yeah, that 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 one or two sentence answer gets them to say, "Sign me up. Tell me more." Or how do you do that? And that's when you know you're exactly. right. What do you like best about your business? What do I like best about my business? Yes. Well, what what I like the best is that um, you know that this that that I get to address you know what could be one of the the single biggest needs that financial advisors have and that, that we've got research now that demonstrates a great way to get there that so many people don't know about yet. So, 
it's 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 fun to get out there and 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 help advisors discover these things because it 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 it, it revolutionizes their business and and it makes and it helps it helps get word out about what, all the good work that they're doing and, and helps make their lives easier and helps them be more successful. And that's, that's just, that's fun. That's, that's why I, I went in this direction after being in the broker-dealer world. You know, I, I ran two small broker-dealers and, and, you know, in a small company, everybody's got to do everything, right? So you have to get really good at stuff. So I can do operations and I can do compliance and I have. But the fun part was always helping advisors build their businesses. And so now I get to do that full time. And, and so that's what I like most about it. You've had such an incredible career so far. Um, what do you attribute your success to? You know, it's, I, I think it's just a, uh, both a willingness to be open-minded and, and looking for, you know, evidence-based, looking for, for data-driven kinds of uh, you know, kinds of solutions, I, I, and I, 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 I'm sorry, I just said that because that sounds so incredibly cliche. Um, you know, what, what's what's fun about it, or what's what's enabled me, I think, to get where I where I have is is, is looking for creative solutions, looking for the data that other people haven't seen before. It's it's a lot like Moneyball. If you if you've ever read the book or yeah. seen the movie, great book. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant, and everybody who's in business ought to read it. Because the the big lesson there and what Billy Bean discovered was that um, the common wisdom is totally wrong. And that's probably true in all kinds of businesses, right? It's certainly true in ours. And um, all you have to do is measure things and look at the data. And if you do that, it leads you to better solutions. And so what I what I discovered when I left the broker-dealer world and, and, and started doing the consulting was that, um, one of those areas is in uh, is in referrals and is in marketing, and the common wisdom is totally wrong. But if you look at the data, it will show you the, the path to the right way. And I think just you know having a, 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 a having data and having something of value to offer, I think is is uh, you know is, it's helped me get where 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 I am now. And then with any luck, will help a lot of these advisors get where they want to go. Absolutely. With all the success you've achieved, what is uh, what's your biggest challenge now? The biggest challenge now is scaling up. Um, you know, we've we've got more demand for what we're doing, and thankfully, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate in that the message is getting out there and it's meeting with a receptive audience, and so it's figuring out how to, you know, it's it's that that uh, you know navigating that growth curve and going from entrepreneurial organization to honest to goodness business organization. That's that's one of the that's one of the big ones. The, you know, the other one is is something that all advisors face and all entrepreneurs face, which is time, you know how to how do I allocate my time and how to how do I keep myself focused on those high value activities. So if I can, and that that's why that's why I say hopefully the next book will be published this year because it really just requires that I have a whole bunch of time to sit down and compile all this data that I've got and actually write about it. Understood. What drives you crazy about your business? Um, well, besides, besides the time management thing, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, make this sound like a criticism, but I think the thing that drives me most crazy is everyone's natural human tendency to 
to fear change and to want to continue to do things the way that they've always done them. Um, you know, talking about niche marketing and targeting and testing things with clients and those kinds of, a lot of these things are, are, are either very different than what advisors have heard before or they're downright counterintuitive. It's just like advisors face with their clients. You know, when, when, when I, I, we, we talked before about, you know, I joined the business before the cra- just before the crash of 87. So picture yourself in November of 1987 trying to persuade somebody to invest in a growth fund. Um, it's the perfect time to invest, but it's the hardest time to invest because it's totally counterintuitive. And the same thing is true with a lot of aspects of marketing. They're counterintuitive. You know, what people want to talk about is what they've always talked about and what, they see, what they've been told that they should be talking about and not to, you know, focus on a smaller range of clients, focus on a smaller niche, or to say, you know, things that are different, but it's to say the stuff that they've always said, which gets them nowhere. Like, you know, well, people come to us because we're trustworthy and provide good service and, um, you know, those kinds of things that, and, and, and so I'm constantly, with all of my clients, I'm constantly trying to pull them back away from that to the stuff that actually works. And so it's not, I mean, it's not really a frustration. I, you know, I, I, I say it's a frustration with a, with a smile on my face because it's natural human, human, uh, uh, it's a natural human tendency. It's just that, uh, you know, you have to do it every day. You have to do it day after day, you know, in and out. But, but that's, that's what the business is, right? That's what, that's what, it's just like, and like I said, it's just like with advisors and their clients. Whenever the market goes down, people are going to want to bail. And so advisors have to jump in and keep them on the straight and narrow. And, and you know, in 2008, that took its toll on people. But we know that's our job, and, and so that's part, of the, that's part of what we have to do. Absolutely. With everything that is constantly changing in the world of relationships and marketing and social media and um, the markets and the economic economic environments and compliance and regulatory changes that your advisors are facing, how do you stay on top of all of that? How do you balance that? Um, well, thankfully, I, I, don't, I don't provide any guidance on how to provide advice. So that makes my job a lot simpler. Um, you know, I'll leave that there are plenty of other folks, you know, who, you know, are specialized in the changing rules about retirement plans or the changing rules about taxes and those kinds of things. And I really just focus on uh, on the communication part of it. And so uh, social media is probably the, the, the fastest moving part of that whole thing. And so, you know, there, there, there are other experts in that area that I go to. And, and really what I try to do is to work with advisors on their messaging and then to keep up on on the people who are experts at the social media to help direct those F, those messaging efforts to the right channels i'll tell you you know that the probably the the uh the thing that's um some advisors are starting to think about but uh, but i don't think they even ones who are looking at it realize how big a change is coming in this way is is the the um the effect of the internet and Google on their on their on their client acquisition system. Um, you know, we look at things like Guidevine and uh, Vesterly, and you know, it, it it used to how how people recommend their financial advisor has changed, and I think that it's beginning to affect advisors. But I don't think most advisors have felt it yet. But a few years from now, I think if you aren't 
if you don't pay attention to this, you're you're gonna have a tough, you're gonna have to work really hard to get every client that you get, because how people make referrals, how people recommend their advisor is changing in a significant way. So 20 years ago, if you were at a cocktail party and you were talking about some cha- some financial challenge that you were facing, and 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 your friend that you were talking to said, oh, you should talk to my guy, he's great. Uh, we've had great success with him, and he's done a great job for us. Your response to that would probably have been, well, how do I get a hold of him? Oh, I'll I'll send you his number or I'll give you his card or something like that, and you can give him a call. And then, you know, you would get the card, get the number, and you would make a phone call, and, and you know, you'd be in the sales funnel. And then, you know, the um, the advisor, you know, could uh, winnow that down until they, you know, until they were able to get a certain number of those clients over here. That's not how it happens anymore. Um now, if you're at a party and a friend of yours talks a little bit about a challenge that they face and you say, oh, you should talk to my guy. He's great. He helped me with that problem exactly. Um, and he's always done a terrific job for us. What's going to happen? He's not going to get the guy's business card. You're not going to send him his number. He's going to say, what was his name again? What's his firm? Okay. And you're going to go home and Google it. And if what they find on the first page of that search is not you or if your website does not match what what your client just said about you, you're done. They're moving on to somebody else. And Fidelity did some research a few years ago that found something to the effect of 70% of people who are looking for an advisor do the search first on the Internet before they ever contact a firm. And that's been that's now been been corroborated in industry after industry after industry 70% of a client's decision or 70% of the data gathering process happens before they ever actually talk to an organization and so the sales funnel is an obsolete idea and if you're relying on that to get new clients that's going to dry up and i don't know if it's going to dry up 6 months from now or 5 years from now but it's drying up and, it's, and so that's why the message that you project, what we help you develop in terms of why you're different and what your compelling value is, if you're not projecting that the right way and using new means to do that, then getting referrals is going to be harder and harder. And I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing that we all have to keep up with over the next uh, – we, we in the marketing business have to keep up with over the next few years. I think you're absolutely right. I know that you are a voracious learner. What are three of the best books you've ever read that have had the most impact on your work and you can't quote something you wrote? <laughs> well, thankfully, the stuff that I wrote doesn't have a whole lot of impact on me because, you know, that was the whole process of discovery. Um, let's see. Well, you know, there, there, there are books that have had a big impact on me and there are books that I think are really relevant these days. Let, let me tell you about a few of the books that I think are most relevant because I think people will get more value out of that rather than, you know, what had a big impact on me 20 or 30 years ago. Um, the book, The Invisible Sale, um, is is really significant, and it's one I can recommend. And, and they talk a lot about um, that that 70% of people, you know, do their research before they ever enter the sales funnel. So that's, that's a big one. Um, there's another book. If you're looking at tweaking your your client experience, um, there's another book. It's not about financial advisors. It's about large-scale call centers. Uh, but the messages in there are perfectly on point. And if you do no more than read the first two chapters of this book, you will get 
some things to think about that can revolutionize your practice. And the book is called The Effortless Experience. Um, and it talks about how call centers and, and large retail organizations are, are getting it wrong when they measure customer satisfaction and they, when they measure things like problem resolution on first call, that all of those things are totally off the mark. And, um, and the message that they have there is, uh, is profound and dramatic. And, and, it's, and it's not about some of these, you know, really discrete, granular kinds of measurements, but, you know, just making it easy for people to deal with you. I think that's a, that's a, really, that's a really big one. And um, let's see, what would be a third one? Um, uh, well, I'll, I'll give a uh, I'll give a shout out to my friend Amy McElwain, who uh, does social media for uh, for financial advisors, and her book, The Social Advisor. Um, you know, it's it's a good it's a good read, and it's and it's got a lot of good little tips in it. So. I think you need to get your messaging straight before you embark on that strategy. But once you've got the right message, uh, Amy's got a lot of really good ideas on how to get it out there. Okay. Awesome recommendations. Fascinating interview. I've got pages of notes. I'm sure our listeners do too. Um, we've been here with Stephen from the clientdrivenpractice.com. Stephen, is there anything else you want to share that I didn't think to ask you? Um, no, I think we've covered it pretty well. So, you know, if uh, you know, we've got a bunch of free resources. If people want to stop by the site, we'd be happy to give them away. And um, let me let me just uh, get a specific address for you. Uh, and I should have been better prepared for this. I was just focusing on your questions rather than. <laughs> That's quite well, I'll, all right. I'll, I'll, we appreciate yeah. any offer you want to I'll, make for our audience. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll okay. Give, give me just a second, because um, and, and I'm only stumbling here because there's a new address where you get a lot of this stuff. Well, there's there's one thing that we can offer that I think may be um, uh, may be helpful. You know, the the one of the ways one of the things that we work with advisors on one of the, one of the best ways of summarizing and being succinct about your your thing is what used to be called an elevator pitch. We've gotten away from that now. I think the idea of elevator pitch is a little obsolete, and we've, we've gone to what calling it a positioning statement. And there's a particular structure that works really well, and, uh, and, and one of the things that we start with, actually, is figuring out what that ought to be because that drives a lot of the other messages, messaging. And we've got a brochure about, um, you know, 10 steps to developing a really killer positioning statement. And uh, we're happy to give that away for free if people if people want to get it, and they can get it by going to um, free-report.theclientdrivenpractice.com/slash-ten-hyphen-steps. And I'm sorry that's so long. We're trying to work on a new shorter one, but that's the one that works. So. Um, but if people want to go there, they can get the 10 steps to a killer positioning statement. We'd be happy to, to, to give that away to them and help them get on the way to, uh, to developing a really succinct and compelling statement to describe themselves. And, and beyond that, Seth, I just want to, again, thank you for having me on today. It's been a lot of fun to talk with you, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to spread the word. Okay. Thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.